Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome back to Lose Yourself. Today's episode, we rejoin our conversation with Ben Neiser, pastor of Mosaic Church in Provo, Utah, on the topic of discipleship, already in progress. Do you think people feel like they have to be like a licensed biblical counselor? Do you think they're intimidated to take on someone to disciple? Yes. I think that is the number one hesitation for people, for older Christians, older in the faith, I mean, discipling uh, people who are younger in the faith than them, is that they feel this pressure that they have to be a Bible expert, a theology expert, and in, or a counseling you know, expert. And so they, that's probably the number one pushback that I get from people probably people that are listening right now, they're going, yep, no, that's, that's mine. That's my number one hesitation. I don't know enough. I like, what if someone asks me, you know, fill in the blank, what do I say if I don't know? And so one of the things that I, I tell people is that when we look at what discipleship is, what a mentor is, they are not meant to be your functional savior. You're not meant to be for those who are looking into discipling. You're not meant to be that person's functional savior. You are meant to be the physical manifestation of another Christ follower. Look at Romans 7, right? Paul's like, the things that I want to do, I can't, right? The things that I don't want to do, I do. And he's a missionary writing to this church, right? right? Look at what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. The first the first idea of, of what we are in Christianity to come to faith in Christ is a deep understanding that we are not enough. We don't have enough. We are poor. We don't have we are deficient in spirit. We're weak, sinful, selfish people. But we know that we've been redeemed by the Lord, that God, by his spirit, through his word and through his church, is redeeming us and making us new each and every day. Right. And so what I say is, is that you need to be a physical manifestation of a Christ follower, not a physical manifestation of Christ. Mm. And that's an important distinction. That's important. I think that that's also takes some of the intimidation off. And I think that some of the mistakes that we make is because we want someone to be all things to all people. We find the richest, best looking, most externally put together person says, sure. And sometimes we can have a huge error because they don't have the spiritual maturity. They might not even have a relationship with Christ. And we've stuck someone with them because they're kind of impressive. On the other hand, there's people who feel disqualified and feel unworthy to champion someone and bring them closer to God because they feel like they have to have this unrealistic expectation about who they're supposed to be and what it takes to be a discipler. What are some other qualities people should have if they want to disciple someone? I think the number one thing that you should you should be is growing in the Lord. Mm. If you are growing in the Lord, and that doesn't mean that we don't have seasons where we're seeing maybe some fruitlessness, okay? Because fruitlessness can happen in the midst of faithfulness. It doesn't have to always equate to faithlessness. 
And so, you know, because we see faithful men and women of Scripture all the time being faithful and seeing fruitlessness. And so are you growing in the Lord? I think if someone is growing in the Lord and their love for Christ and their dependency upon the Lord and their love for the Word and His church, I think this should be a natural reaction is who is somebody younger in the faith that I can find that I can begin pouring my life into? The other thing that I would say is, and this is my this is my personal opinion, I think you have to be disciple to disciple. Everybody needs a Timothy, but I think also everybody needs a Paul in some form or fashion. And so you you look at me, I'm a seminary educated guy who's been in ministry for 12 years, but there are still to this day people that are my mentors. Now, do I meet with them weekly, you know, those kinds of things? No. Do I have a group of guys that I meet for accountability and prayer? Yes. But I think you need to be effectively discipled first and have that that relationship modeled in some uh, healthy way in order for, for it to really set you on that path. So here's the touchy subject. Yeah. Church for the last 25 years has been very attractional. Mm-hmm. It was all about the show. Yeah. Great band, great preacher, great media, feels great. I don't know that we have properly encouraged that one-on-one discipleship as we should have in the last quarter century. So you have an entire generation or generation and a half of people who went to children's ministry and got a whistle. And then they went to youth ministry and they got what Richard Ross calls the holding tank with pizza and a (laughs) t-shirt. And they got to their adult life and they were compliant and they were moral and they knew that Jesus liked them a lot, but they could not necessarily tell you that they had been discipled and we have an entire generation. I feel really the one of the reasons I brought it up earlier when I said people go sometimes go to seminary to because they are are hungry for a discipleship relationship and they're looking to fulfill that and that's the only way they can find it is to go take classes and move to a campus and and try to to reach out for it. And I think one of the jobs we have to have as as Christians is to look at our church and say, how can we fulfill that in-house? How can we fulfill that with ourselves when we probably have a generation of adults who may or may not have ever experienced that. What do you have to say on that one? Again, going back to transformation, there's a reason why Jesus could draw a crowd, but he discipled 12. Right. And some people are always just going to be there for the show. If you're listening to this and you're just there for the show, keep popping your popcorn every week, take your Bible, put on your nice clothes and do your thing. It's more than likely not transforming your life. If you want true life transformation, if you look and you can sit in silence long enough to do some introspection and realize things need to change in my life, things need to be different in my life. Not only is Jesus the gospel the answer, discipleship is the answer. This, When we look at the Great Commission, this is Jesus' ascension. This is Jesus' last words. Think about the most important figure in your life. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's your mother. If your mother knew that these were the last words that she was going to tell you before she left this world, she knew it. She was conscious of this is this is my last paragraph to you. Man, wouldn't you hold on to those words and try to live your life by them? And wouldn't she want that paragraph to be something hyper intentional? And this is what Jesus leaves us with is Matthew 18 uh, or Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Mm-hmm. And so this is ultimately what the church is meant to do. Right. So again, it's 
It's like going to the gym and kind of walking around and never sitting down on a machine and never taking a class. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, I went to the gym today. Oh, you went to the gym. What'd you do? Well, you know, I just kind of walked around, looked at everybody else doing their thing. Like I kind of got a little sweat just thinking about working out, (laughs) you know, like that's not careful now. (laughs) You're not, you're not doing it. Right. The the work, if you will, the, the what leads to life transformation ultimately is uh, is this process that we not not only call sanctification, the work of the Spirit in us, but God gives us some tools and a command there in the Great Commission that that what this looks like is a disciple making. Discipleship is the word that we, that we then use. Right. And would it be fair to say that between the ascension and now? that those relationships, those discipleship relationships has probably been the single biggest spreader of the gospel. We think of like crusades and and podcasts like this one and and media and books and, and stuff like that. But really it's been person to person. A disciple makes a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple. And, you know, for thousands of years now have seen this move. And I feel like we sometimes lose that essence and we try to automate it. We try to make it more efficient or we try to dress it up. But really, you cannot replace someone opening up a Bible with someone who is less spiritually mature than they are and bringing them along. Yeah. I tell people that I'm a product of poor discipleship and a product of good discipleship. Okay. Okay. And what I mean by that is from from eight until 18, came, came down, walked the aisle, prayed the prayer, if you will, right? Got wet, got baptized, was given a Bible. Okay, now here's, you know, now you get to go all the programs. You need to go to Awana. You need, and there's nothing wrong with these programs. No. But, and there are good people in those programs at some churches that yeah. are doing very effective work. Right. But that kind of, it was programmatic. Right. Right. It was this efficiency model. Check the box. Right. You okay. know, you know, think about that, folks. There are people out there who've checked every single one of those boxes who would not say they're a disciple. Yeah. And so from 8 to 18, I'll just tell you, I never picked up my Bible on my own and read it ever, mm. ever outside of a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night. A church camp kind of thing. All right. Never, every, never. Every youth pastor or former youth pastor, when you said church camp, we're going, ah, the church high on the last night, we're just going to change the world. And by the time the bus pulls into the church parking lot when it's over. Psh. Yeah. So like no one, no one within the church, like ever like walked with me through the text. No one showed up at my school and said, hey, why don't we do like every other week? Let's just grab lunch. I'll meet you at your school or, you know, something along those lines. You know, nothing like that happened. And so when I was in college and really the Lord got a hold of me at like 19, it was like, this is, you know, you're, you're done. We're not spinning our wheels anymore. We're heading this way. People discipling me on a weekly basis, Bibles open, talking about real life, talking about what am I reading in the scriptures? How is that affecting my life? How is it convicting my life? You know, those kinds of conversations were happening for the very first time. It wasn't very long, Mike, after that started happening in my life that I was like, I need to be doing this with other guys. Right. That happened my like my sophomore year of college. By my by my end of my sophomore year, I'm meeting with like two or three other dudes. And by junior year, everyone the running joke for me in college was like Who's been grabbing lunch with today? Like, because literally almost every day of the week, I tell you probably four, sometimes five days a week, I was with a different guy having lunch with them for discipleship. And what would it do to our churches if that was the model? For so many times, it's inviting you to something, inviting you to, and there's nothing wrong with cool church events. I'm not, not, right. I'm not here to tell, throw that stone. What I'm saying though is imagine 
I always said that whenever the Christians got really intense and serious outside of the church walls, that's when you start seeing growth. Because it's really funny is when you are, you know, seeing, you know, you can have great attractional events. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. But like that by itself, if the people are not invited to those events by someone who they spiritually respect, they're probably not going to come. It's when church numerically grows more from its congregation being on fire, being discipled and going out and finding those people. Like you just said, hey, let's talk about the Old New Testament. Let's talk about spiritual life. Let's talk about one step at a time. Unbelievers, believers, everything in between. And I think that that's where um, the power of those relationships can be incredibly formative and actually move things forward more than just putting on shows. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that should be the end game. It should. We can have the large front door events, right? That get a lot of people in, get a lot of people excited about what we're doing. But the end game, the funnel, where where are we channeling these people to? Where are we funneling them to? It's ultimately, it should be to, if they're not already a follower of Christ, to becoming a follower of Christ. So they're hearing the gospel, becoming a follower of Christ, being discipled themselves, and then making disciples in their life. And so like that should be the the goal of what Christian living needs to look like. Not necessarily the end goal, the chief end of what we need to look like. I mean, God's got a bigger end for that. That's Romans 8, and it's our glorification, right? right? It's it's him being with him for all of eternity. But in the midst of that, in our sanctification process, this is what it, it needs to look like for every Christian. And sadly, for again, for a generation, we almost said, oh, it's okay, we got this. You know, let the professional clergy bring them to this event. It'll change their life. And in some cases, people atrophied mm-hmm. in their, uh, you know, these are good, good-hearted believers who were, you know, at the church, willing, available. No one invested in them. No one encouraged them. And for those people, I want to say on behalf of the church, we're sorry. Guess what? Even now, it's not too late. If you've got a Bible and a person, you can disciple somebody. Again, this is a, you know, and not only will it be formative for them, it'll be formative for you because, again, what you were saying earlier about your sophomore year, that it multiplied. Someone invested in you, and then your most natural reaction after that was to go and, and share as well. And I think that that's the piece that defines the difference between so if someone's just looking for them something for themselves versus whether they're letting the God work in their life. Because if you're just looking, to again, to get over a hurdle or you're looking to become a better person, that's when you tend to always be on the receiving end. Uh, you need someone, quote-unquote, discipling you or holding you together. It's when that transitions into you investing in other people. That's when you know you've got it. Mm -hmm. And that's when you know that there's something bigger than just, I'm trying to fix something in me. We're out of time, but we'll pick up this conversation on our next episode. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.